Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I'll tell you what, the Royal Rumble, it's around the corner. And I know a lot of people are getting a little bit pumped up for it. Maybe not as much as they should be because of the certain conditions that we're in right now and also the condition of the company itself. But we are heading into the Royal Rumble, and you know what that means. It's WrestleMania season time. So we're going to start talking about WrestleMania here in the coming weeks. And hopefully the WWE will start talking about WrestleMania because right now a lot's up in the air internally and externally when it comes to WrestleMania. But here today to talk about everything about WWE and WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble and all that is a good man indeed. He's been on the show before, and we're glad to have him back. He is the man behind the PVD cast. You got to check out what he's doing today at pvdcast.com or pvdcast wherever you get your podcast. In fact, his latest podcast that he just dropped is Jeff Dale, who is a writer working on a book about Shemp Howard of the Three Stooges. Very interesting conversation. And then his previous one was on the NHL 2021 season. Go Golden Knights. Go Knights. Go. It is John Orlando. I was a Kings fan. I'm going to give you a heads up since I'm from SoCal. I was a Kings fan for many years. And you know the kind of struggles that the LA Kings had for many, many years. But they've won their two championships. So they're good. And now that I've been here in Vegas for a long time, this team is just it's been so embraced by the community here in Las Vegas. We really want to see good things. They are considered to be near the top of the favorites for the Stanley Cup. They've gotten off to a good start. So I'm hoping for some good things for the fans here in Las Vegas because this has been a hard-hit community by what's been going on in the past year now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd like to go ahead and have some type of good things come our way. And you know what? I think the Knights have a very good shot of advancing into the playoffs and going deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs because, I, as I said on that very episode you mentioned, I feel like the Western division is a little weak. You have too many teams that I think struggled in the last year or maybe two seasons, and I think the the Vegas Golden Knights have a good shot of winning that division and moving on and going deep. See? I knew I'd make you a happy man, Gerald. I may have not told you the story because, you know, when, when it was talked about NHL adding a team here in Las Vegas – you know, Las Vegas has never really totally embraced a professional team. Every time they've tried to start one up here or even a semi-pro team or anything like that, it's really not fallen very well. It's it's actually almost fallen on deaf ears at times, in court, you know, as far as the response is concerned. But when it comes to what they've done here in Las Vegas, I mean, at first, we didn't even embrace the Golden Knights. It wasn't until early in that first year when they started winning and everybody really started to get excited about it. In fact, just to get the 10,000 seat minimum to go ahead and become a, an expansion team, that was a struggle for many months to get 10,000 season seat commitment. Now it's the most expensive. Well, okay, when things are all better, it was <laughs> the most expensive ticket in the NHL and it was always sold out and it's just so great to see the franchise mm-hmm. doing as well especially mm-hmm. early in its early years so I'm hoping for good things from from the Golden Knights I'm hoping for this community because I think it would tell a good story and also it helps that other guys that are starting out right. around the NBA oh no worries oh no worries starting out franchises that are starting around the NBA, possibly NHL, whoever decides to expand going forward, because there's now talk about expansion because that's an easy way to get some cash now for these leagues. That's probably the best way to do it. You can mirror what the Golden Knights did as far as how they go ahead and set up their organization. And, you know, it was also mentioned real quick, my my, uh, guest at the time, Luke Landry, on that uh, episode two weeks ago, mentioned it. When you come into a market that's not used to hockey, you have to win. And Vegas is a prime example of that. Um, I think it helped that the expansion draft for the Vegas Golden Knights was radically different than in previous uh, uh, chances of that. You know, when you look at San Jose and Tampa and Columbus and Minnesota, when they joined, you didn't get top tier talent. You didn't because of the way that structure contracts were structured and, and whatnot. You got a lot of third and fourth line guys that were left unprotected. And those franchises picked up those guys. This time with Vegas, I mean, you had top-tier guys because of salary cap concerns. Like, for an example, Marc-Andre Fleury. 
who's making five million or maybe five and a half million in Pittsburgh. There was no way that Pittsburgh was going to be able to afford him and Matt Murray at the time. So they left them unprotected. And, and that's just one example of what happened with lots of teams. You know, you think about uh, the Nate Schmitz and the uh, Marsha shows and those guys that were really good players, but just because of contract situations with their former team, they were left unprotected and Vegas reaped the benefits. And I have yeah. a feeling that when Seattle joins the league, you're going to see a, a very similar thing as well. Well, that'll be a good thing for Seattle. They'll possibly, possibly in the next five years have an expansion hockey and NBA teams. So they can obviously look at mm -hmm. what's gone right with the Vegas Golden Knights and see how their success has been laid out. So I'm mm -hmm. hoping for good things this year for Vegas. It would be nice, like I said, for the community that's been hit so hard by the pandemic and the tourism industry has gone into the tank, so to speak, here. And we're just hanging on right now, just hoping for better things and and seeing what's happen, happening going in the future. But the Golden Knights is our one ray of hope. But don't get me started on the Raiders. I don't think you okay. have that conversation. Yeah, and we got wrestling to talk about, too. Yes, we yes, we do have wrestling sports. to talk about. Although, you know, that that nice new Aliante, a very expensive stadium that we have uh, that we just built at most of the cost the taxpayers, uh, that would be a future site for WWE, I think, as far as that going forward, because it's, it is really sweet. It, it looks really nice. But... Be that as it may, there have been now announcements for the upcoming WrestleManias because we do have a return to Tampa Bay Stadium, not for just one, but two nights coming up. It's been pushed back to April. Now they're talking about Dallas next year and L.A. the year after that. The thing is, I wanted to talk to you first and foremost when it comes to the WWE is the dates itself. Last year, I think, was a little bit of a success even in all light of everything going on and the criticism WWE took for actually running a WrestleMania mm -hmm. and running their shows consistently, they did get a lot of good feedback on the two-night overarching weekend for WrestleMania weekend. And for me, it's a, it's a natural because, as you know, before when times were good and, and yet people could go out and do things like WrestleMania – WrestleMania was like a five to seven day experience. People were flying mm -hmm. from in from all mm -hmm. around the world and they're there wherever the host host city is. And they're there for several days and they're watching other independent organizations. Anyways, why not trap all that money, get all that money and spread it out over the course of two days. And I just think going forward that if they want to go ahead and approach Dallas and also LA the year after, I really think when things get better and hopefully people are able to go out, go out and, and do things like that a little bit more often because of, you know, the vaccine and whatnot, I'm hoping, I'm seriously hoping that they will make a permanent shift to a two-night operation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think one thing that some folks forget about, in the years past, the last four or five years, there has always been an NXT event on Saturday night. Yes, but why not, include, um, why not include NXT in this equation? Right, well, and, and that's what I'm saying, that everybody's complaining about, oh, it's two nights WrestleMania. Well, in theory, it kind of was two nights. And, and as a matter of fact, I would say it's even longer in those previous years because you had a two-hour NXT on Saturday, and then you had seven hours of WrestleMania the next day. So I can see that there is some benefit to breaking it up in two nights, as it's going to be this year at Raymond James Stadium. I'm still a little bit a little bit leery of them doing it at Raymond J Stadium because they said they're going to try to fit what 20,000 people in that stadium. I think they're talking a little more. I think it was 30 was the number I've heard, which is yeah, I know. Oh, sorry. That doesn't sound safe in terms of COVID. I mean, no. I don't know. I'm, no, no I'm expert, hoping they'll be back. I hope they'll all be vaccinated when they go there. That's just I hope so way. too. But I think that, you know, obviously for this year, I think the idea is to make more money by having two yeah. nights, you know, because you know those tickets are not going to be cheap. They're going to be expensive no matter where you sit. Yeah. I think that Vince, Vince sees it as a, as a way to make some extra cash. But I think this um, should be a thing going forward because you already have, mm -hmm. like next year, when hopefully things get better, especially two years down the line in L.A., you're going to have people there in L.A. all those days and it, like you said, with the NXT takeover that usually happens beforehand and also the Hall of Fame that usually happens two days beforehand, why not integrate that all together in a two-night type deal going forward? Because 
I, I don't know about you, two years ago, when the last WrestleMania where everybody could go ahead and congregate, that was like six, a seven hour extravaganza. Yeah. And I was, by the end, I was just like, oh, you know, almost out on my feet. I mean, this makes it a lot more palpable. I think, I know you said you got a lot of feedback against it last year. I got a lot of feedback for it. A lot of people absolutely love the two-night format, and I think I'm beginning to be one of them. Well, I mean, you look at it. Last year, you had Saturday shows like three hours, and then Sunday shows a little bit longer, like three hours and 20 minutes or so. And that is much more manageable. Um, it, but as I said, some people, you know, on the internet and critics and whatnot have been complaining about breaking it up. But I feel, look, I feel like this. If you're going to go long, because I agree with you, Gerald, two years ago, I was I was almost asleep on the couch. I'm like, I cannot do seven hours starting at 5, 8, 5 p.m. and then going all the way till midnight. It's just daunting. And, and I hate to I hate to do this, but I'm going to do this. You compare Wrestle Kingdom to WrestleMania, same amount of matches almost. But yet one is four hours and the other one was seven hours. They're, and they do two nights now. Right. I mean, they do two nights now, but I'm just, you know, back in the, you know, a couple of years ago, they yes. were doing that. And I'm like, why? Why? Because New Japan doesn't mess around. One match is over. We go right to the next. There's very yeah. few dead spaces. But in the WWE, it seems that there's all these always dead spaces where we have to hype this package or we have to do this or we have to have a special guest sing this song or whatnot. Get down to it, man. Get down to WrestleMania just giving us what we want. Daryl, I think they're going to probably go to two nights. I, I don't know. My, my heart says that WrestleMania 38 and 39, one night, super long. I just feel like that's maybe where they're going. But you, you started making me think while you were talking about a chance to make more money from now to infinity. I don't know. I think the WWE would be wise to jump on that and make more cash rather than sticking to like tradition, if you will. Yeah, let's say you've got a, a seventy thousand seat stadium, not not eighteen T center, which is like uh, what a hundred thousand people that can be yeah. see, see that one. Let's say you do that over two nights, and let's say instead of getting a full house, because you probably won't get a full house for two nights, you'll probably get uh, maybe eighty percent capacity, seventy eighty percent capacity, as opposed to maybe ninety percent capacity for one night deal. You're earning more dollars overall mm -hmm. over the course for those individuals that are there for both nights. And mm -hmm. if it's the same people, uh, for the majority of them, they're spending a lot of cash anyways there. Why not spend it on your product instead of the independent promotions? And all apologies to the independent promotions mm -hmm. because I know they schedule a lot of them. It's like their Black Friday. They go ahead and they plan for the shows right around there, and that supports them throughout the year. And I get that, and I apologize for that. But with WWE, they're running a business, and if you're looking at it from their standpoint, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. In, in Connecticut right now. Yeah, it, it to me, it just makes more business sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, as much as as much as I'd like personally, to be honest, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, Gerald, I'd like WrestleMania to go back to one night and it'd be three hours and we just have eight good matches and then we move on. But I know, I know, I know it's not happening. I just can a can a boy dream, please. You're gonna get either one eight seven or eight hour extravaganza or you're going to get two three and a half three to three and a half type deals i think and i i prefer now in today's age where there's so much competition for your eyes as far as what you need to watch and what you can watch and also the fact that the wwe network itself could also cater a ton of programming around the entire weekend even better mm -hmm. on a two-night deal. I just think it's better, uh -huh. a better answer for them. I mean, it's not just the fact that you have the live audience. It's the fact you have to support it with a lot of additional programming, and you could really go ahead and do that over a two-night stretch. That's just me. Yeah. But, you know, what? and, and I'll, I agree with you. You know, I, I'll be honest. I came into this thinking, no, one night – but I think it makes sense. Everything you've pit, everything that you and I have talked about makes the logical sense that two nights is probably going to be the way that they go. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get 
your podcast. Real quickly, just talking about the WWE Network for a minute. You know, news broke today that NBC has stated NBCSN is probably going to go bye-bye at the end of the calendar year. That is correct. So that makes you wonder, what is the status of WWE programming on USA? If things get moved to USA, like the NHL, like um, they have a... Yeah, they have a, a what's soccer? I can't remember yes. what it's called. Premier they League. The Premier, the Premier League. They have NHL. They have NASCAR. They have the exclusive rights for that. It is also going to be bleeding over into Peacock because they now have to have another source of feeding into Peacock because Peacock is is it's their future at NBC mm-hmm. Universal. It, mm-hmm. And if you want to feed their future, you're going to have to not only feed it Olympics, but you have to feed it also as well WWE programming if you can grab it from them. But also you can have to feed it the extra sports leagues that you're getting because NBCSN, and you're going to see a lot of these major companies. In fact, I'm going to have a conversation with my co-host in regards to this about the future of several of these cable and broadcast outlets that are not generating money. And with the fact that they now have their eyes on streaming formats, you got to go ahead and, and diversify. And USA is still one of the strongest cable outlets out there. I don't think it's going to affect Raw. But NXT, I yeah. think their days are numbered there. I agree with that. But I, I don't know if, if Raw continues not to draw the, the numbers it once did. You gotta you gotta wonder if USA is not going to start questioning it a little bit because I well, mean it, it's an issue of advertising. Let's say I have sure. NHL at two million viewers gets you more money than WWE at two million viewers. I, I you know, and this is the old argument everybody has, and and. You know, it's demeaning to wrestling fans. Nobody wrestling fans like to hear this, but the ad rates are lower for whatever reasons you want to go ahead and speculate on. The ad rates are lower for WWE, like NCIS programming that they run on USA. I mean, sometimes you can get better ad rates for that. So, you know, it just comes to the point where it's more dollars and cents. Again, I don't think you're going to pass up wwe raw i think they've probably got contractually some things in place that would prevent raw from ever leaving usa but nxt i think their days are numbered i agree i agree as well i don't know we're going to talk about it here in a few moments but i mean you know you have to ask yourself sometimes too especially like with nxt or with smackdown or with raw you know maybe if we improve the product a little bit maybe that would shore up that footing you know, especially for Monday Night Raw. Okay, so we're not, we're getting these 2 million people. We're making X amount of dollars. But if we could just make things a little more intriguing, if we could suck in some new some new watchers, if we could just keep the fans that are already here energized and enthusiastic, just think how much more money we could make. You know, if we're, if, if we're talking this theme that it's all about money, Gerald, you got to think somebody in the front office has got to wake up and go, we need to tighten things up. Well, it's also an issue of, landing that next great thing and that's the problem with the entire industry right now aew which is you know everybody's uh you know that's out there as a wrestling fan likes to look at them like so admire what they have they think it's so great but remember they're averaging right now only about a million uh, viewers right now and now it comes mm-hmm. to the point where they're i don't want to say that they're maxing out their audience because they still have a lot of room to grow but they don't even have that one individual that is so charismatic and so someone that reaches across so many different demographics that they're going to bring that audience into a two three million type format they don't have that individual yet either the wwe doesn't have that steve austin coming through the door right now they don't have that rock they don't even have the storylines and the interest level of a mix mr mcmahon or anything of that nature that draws people in on a weekly basis so i think it starts with how you want to set up your storytelling steve austin was got on by accident most of the stuff that they've done as far as the major stars stars are concerned were just picked up on by not accident per se but just something that was done organically yeah they don't have any star that's out there at in the wwe right now that's growing the audience organically i mean roman reigns God bless them. Same thing with Drew McIntyre. God bless them. God bless these superstars that they have there. They're all trying hard and they're all working hard to connect with the audience. But again, there's no one individual that's connecting with an audience at to the level that they once did. And I also think it's 
I don't know if it's laziness is the right concept or the right vocabulary term. They're just not trying. Like, I feel like this, you got to really work to get somebody over and you really got to work to build that appeal. And yes, by all means, somebody's going to say, well, but they're also doing it in a pandemic. You know, Drew McIntyre hasn't had an opportunity to be in front of fans. You're right. You're absolutely correct. And that is, that is a little asterisk you can put by, you know, our conversation that yes, there are some folks that might set the world on fire, but we just don't know yet. Because and we're, we're not, not talking just about in the past year. Okay. Cause obviously you could say the pandemic I'm talking about 2019, 2018, 2017, sure. the years after, and you can argue whether John Cena should be put at the level of the rock and, and Steve Austin. I wouldn't put him there, but I put him in the range of, of, Let's put him in the middle. Let's put him in the range of where the stars now of the WWE of the past few years and where 1997 through 2000 was because I think he was somewhere in the middle as far as his popularity and his ability to connect with audiences. I think he's you could put him somewhere there. I mean, you can argue that point all you want, and I would give you that, but he at least was somebody that could draw in an amount of viewers at some point in time. You really don't have that now, and you didn't have that going into the pandemic, and now this sure. pandemic has just made things a lot worse. Sure, and, but but I think, and, and I agree with you 100%, and like I said, I think that they need to just work at it, let guys try things, let them fail. If they fail, they fail. You know, If they're a success, then build on that success, and I just feel like they're kind of just like – They're too know. structured right now. I think right, the fact yeah, that, that there's – Thank you. Thank there you. used to That's, be – if you listen to Jim Cornette or Bruce Pritchard, you hear the stories of how it was just three, two or three individuals and maybe uh, you know booking committees that were very small in nature as far as the future of where the company was headed. And then obviously Vince McMahon would have the final say. Now it's a team of writers specifically writing scripts for these guys and gals. And for the most part, a lot of these guys and gals, they're not trained actors. They don't no. go ahead and are not able to convey what you want to convey. So – I think maybe loosening up and letting them go to more of an old school type format. And I'm talking about wrestling part of it. I'm talking about the storytelling part of it. Look to the past sometimes will help you dictate a better future. I mean, look what and look he, at help right with the, the attitude era. Look what you did yeah. right there. I'm not saying go back to it hundred percent, but I'm saying use some of those lessons that you learned then and apply them now. I was captivated last, last night during SmackDown with the Kevin Owens promo that he did inside his car. I connected to it because we've all had that, that, you know, when he talked about his grandfather's never getting a chance to see him make it to WWE, like I can connect to that. I can connect and go, you know, uh, you know, my father passed away. He didn't get to see me do this, do this and do this, you know? Okay. So that connects with me and, and, you know, his story about how he's had to work to get where he is at in, in his career. That was great. I hope that that was just Kevin Owens getting to do, you know, here's the bullet points and he gets to do it. Yeah. Uh, because that was great. That was fascinating. I wanted to see more of Owens. And, and then he came out, did his whole spiel with Roman Reigns, which was fine. But that that gave me a little bit of interest into this matchup, you know, that's coming in a, in a week or so. And, and Roman Reigns, likewise, too, has done a fantastic job of being this very kind of, I call him like kingpin. That's what he kind of reminds me of, like the kingpin from, from Daredevil. Smooth, yeah. suave. I'm calculating i'm cold but i'm gonna destroy you like that he's done a great job with that and i think they need more of that if if roman reigns and and kevin owens are are giving these uh are giving these bullet points and say go go have fun and if Heyman's allowed to have his input they need to do that with other storylines and other other superstars absolutely i couldn't agree with you more once again i'm on with john orlando you got to check out his awesome show the pvd cast at pvdcast.com or wherever you get your podcast. There's a range of pop culture topics that he loves to talk about, sports, and so much more. Please go ahead and stop by the PVD cast today. I'll tell you what, my friend, though, it is coming into the Royal Rumble. I mean, it's something I still try to get excited about each and every year. I'm trying. I'm trying hard. I am one of those over 50, you know, I, and I don't want to put myself in the old school range, but there are some things about yesteryear that again lessons can apply but i do love a, a quite a bit of today's wrestling that's still out there and mm -hmm. in fact i do follow it again on a daily basis it's something i still love and is still so near and dear my heart 
But when you look at what's going on with the Royal Rumble and the picture's not entirely set, I mean, the future, again, for your WrestleMania, I, I, I know that the rumors are right now and all these sites are reporting that there's still no set outcome for what they want to go ahead and do for the top matches at WrestleMania. I find that a problem, don't you? Yes, exactly that, because I, I have my notes right here. I thought to myself when I was getting prepared, who do you pick if Gerald says, John, pick a winner of the Royal Rumble? You don't know? I, oh, I, 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 don't know. I can't tell you. I mean, I can't. I, tell I can't because there's no clear vision. And in, in, in least in years past, you had, well, here's four or five that I can see doing it, you know, winning the Royal Rumble. You know, this person could do it or this person for these various reasons. I'm stumped. The only person, if, if you put me on the spot and said, pick a men's Royal Rumble winner, Sheamus? Because at least you had that storyline with him and Drew McIntyre. Hey, we came up together, blah, blah, blah. But is that going to put people in the stands? No, Sheamus has done so many jobs. I know Cesaro is getting a small push finally after so many years, but will people be behind it? That's another issue as well. I mean, everybody there that you see has had so many losing streaks and it's so hard to get behind any of them because when you lose consistently or you do this 50-50 booking or anything of that nature, it's really hard to get behind anyone. With the women's, I think it's a little bit more clear-cut. I would I would consider Charlotte Flair, who I think is, you know, coming has come back from an injury and she's doing some work now. I think she would probably be someone that the company still has a lot of faith behind and someone who they they were I don't want to say they want to protect her, but I think they want to make her at least look good. And I think that's an option for them at, at as far as the Royal Rumble is concerned. Who are you looking on the women's side as far as winning the Royal well, Rumble? Well, I, I, I could get behind Charlotte, but I really think that probably a great way to make a big splash and hopefully not ruin this would be to have uh, Rhea Ripley show up. You know, I think Rhea Ripley, she's done with uh, NXT that – you know, that would probably be a good way surprise entrant because, you know, there's always those surprise entrants when yes. we talk about the Royal Rumble. She would be a great one to come in, and I think she could be the winner of the Royal Rumble. What a better way to get her over than having her win and move on to maybe face the champion there at uh, – which which champion? Not sure, but one of the champions uh, for the uh, women's titles at WrestleMania. And she had a really strong match against Charlotte Flair last mm -hmm. year at WrestleMania. And I know it's that she said in interviews that personally, and I'm not talking about professionally, I'm not talking about storyline, on a personal level, she took that really hard. I don't know if she not necessarily took some time off, but she was kind of put out of the limelight, so to speak, and mm -hmm. then reemerged in NXT. Again, she would be an excellent candidate because I think she's a, an outstanding worker. I think right now, though, it comes to me where it comes to the actual best way to start pushing the WWE forward in a better direction. I think you got to stop this this dual champion type deal. I think you need to go ahead one champion that covers both spots. In fact, you do it right now with Asuka and Charlotte Flair. So I don't understand this type type of booking as far as, okay, let's have one set for the the you know each of those shows except for the women's tag team they can go wherever they want and it just makes no sense i think they realize they don't have enough good teams as far as the women's tag team so that's why the women's tag team has champions have to go ahead to both shows they'd only have like four or five good teams right now although in nxt i'm seeing a lot of great women's teams right there that would be something a good idea right there for wwe but i'm talking about on the main roster but I think it just for this point in time, it's a natural that all these shows when it comes to SmackDown and Raw need to just combine into one champion, just one champion, bring that back together again. That way you have a face of the company going forward, whether you're going to go ahead and live and die with that person, we'll wait and see. But I think that just sends a better message to the fans out there that you have one champion because it, 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 you take it less seriously. I take these you know, who is the universal and who is the WWE champion. I take them less seriously because they're, mm -hmm. yeah. they're, they're not facing against each other. Oh, they faced it against each other in a non-title match. Whoop dee dee. Whoop dee dee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the fact of the matter is who is the better champion? Because you have two world champions, so to speak. 
it's ridiculous. I, I have been a proponent for merging both two world titles, both tag titles, both women's titles, and then you elevate those secondary titles. Yeah. The Intercontinental, the U.S. title needs to be, you know, the, the the focal point, you know, of, you know, if the Raw has the Intercontinental title, then that's the that's the belt everybody chases because that's the the, the springboard to the world title. Combine you know, the U.S. It, and the Intercontinental title. Or if you have to keep them split, you keep use the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title as the top titles for each of those shows. And right. then you can go ahead and have just one champion going on both programs i don't think it's very Correct. hard to do that especially now these days when they're only working two days a week at the most i agree i agree i think that that would be an and, and look even if you needed an extra title in there then okay then you make the women's tag titles on raw you maybe bring the cruiserweight title to smackdown and there you go you have you have something different for each show you know what i mean the, okay you you like you like the high fly you know here's the cruiserweights over here on smackdown and here's the women's champ the women's tag champs are over here on raw so if you like the women you know wrestling for a title it's there here you go you got the tag titles i just think that yeah i think that kind of combining those those world titles has to happen it could happen at maybe wrestlemania you know maybe that's a cool. great way to go ahead and you you have the women's unification match on one night heading up the card and you have the men's unification title Heading up, and then you also supplement that with a tag team unification title on the men's mm -hmm. side, and then a women's tag team match on the on the other. So I don't know, just me throwing that out there, but I think it's something. If you have the issues that you are right now as far as top drawing cards, and you're worried about okay, who's going to be at the top of the bill or the matches that you want to lay out for WrestleMania, I think that's the best place to start. And let's be honest, Goldberg's not going to put any butts in the seats either. Not anymore. All right. Not, not anymore. anymore. And and look, the way that they use legends, the WWE's got to figure this out too. They got to be a special attraction. You can't just bring them back every once in a while. You know, John I mean, Cena like now too. I would put him. Oh. I mean, after that match with or so-called match, and I'm gonna put that in quotations. Last year with Bray Wyatt, where I thought it was just awful. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know a lot of people liked it. I thought it was absolutely putrid. And I think that just lessens his legacy and also his drawing powers. So at this mm -hmm. point, outside of The Rock returning, which you and I both know is a, basically a very slight possibility because he is so busy right now, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Young Rock, a.k.a. all the movies that he's doing right now. <laughs> you know, he, he's just yeah. being The Rock. I mean, he doesn't have the time or at least he can't carry your company because he can only do it one day a year. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and look. I guess going back to my point with Goldberg, you want to bring him back as as like the tag team partner of somebody, you know, as a surprise partner, you know, to to battle Miz and Morrison for an example, right? Great, you know, great, that's fantastic. But you can't keep putting him in main event programs. Yeah. Not only just Goldberg. Let's be honest. There's there's a whole list of people that they've done this with, but yeah. they can't keep doing this, you know. And I know there's there's been rumors that maybe Brock Lesnar returns at the Royal Rumble. And again, whoop dee dee. Yeah, we've seen that. We've yes. seen it. Like, don't I, it just, I don't know what to say. I just feel like this Royal Rumble. Where are you getting residual returns? I mean, let's say you yeah. pay what, what, $2 million. Let's, I'm just throwing a number out there for Brock Lesnar right. to come back, do the limited schedule thing, and be the company's, one of the company's champions once again. It didn't work for you before. You saw declining numbers before. Why do that now? And then, it, it, you know, in the article that I read, he'll come back and challenge Roman Reigns. Brock Lesnar's a face. Come on. Come on now. Let's learn from Lex Luger. Lex Luger was a great heel. He was a terrible baby face just because of his attitude, just the way he was in life. And that's yeah. not a knock on the guy. That's not a knock on the guy. You think Brock Lesnar is going to smile and high five fans? And no. Well, even if he doesn't, even if he, even if he gives you the badass type deal, like of course, like yeah. Steve Austin did, and when he was a you know over such so huge as a face, you know, and he broke every rule in the book, it, it's still to the point where you're just not enthused because you know you're not going to see him on a weekly basis on Raw, you're or or right. even SmackDown, you're just not going to see him. If you give Lesnar the title, you could pretty much say, oh, he'll show up three or four, four times a year. 
and that's it. And that's and that to me is just it, it can't help you over 52 weeks. WWE oh. is a 52 week a year company. And yes. when your champion is only there six, seven weeks, it really doesn't make financial sense. No, it does not. It does not. I mean, I don't know. I, I want to be optimistic about the Royal Rumble. Uh, I really, really do. But I don't know. I think I think next Sunday, I think I'm going to be disappointed. I hate to say that too, Gerald. I really do. I want to be surprised. I want to be excited. I want to be enthusiastic. But I don't know. This it's it's hard to. It's hard to be a wrestling fan nowadays, I think. It is very hard to be a wrestling fan. I mean, a lot of momentum is behind all elite wrestling and for rightly so. They've done a lot of things right, but the one thing that they don't have that the WWE has is that already established television power that's out there already that the WWE has, but it's growing. And there is a possibility mm-hmm. they could latch on to someone that will go ahead and push them there. I'm not sure if it's Kenny Omega. I really liked what he's doing now. I really enjoy the fact that he's doing a lot of good things now. But do they have that individual that will take them beyond what the WWE can do? We'll wait and see. I mean, it could be MJF. You never know. I mean, there could be one individual that they still can find out there that they can still produce because they haven't jobbed them out to death like what you've mm-hmm. seen with the WWE. Whereas the WWE, it's just so much harder for them because a lot of them have had been through those 50-50 booking deals where they lose one, you win one, they lose one, you win one type deal, and you just keep on doing it back and forth. And it gives neither of the individuals that are in these programs any credibility because they know, okay, well, the guy won this week. Okay, it's the other guy winning this week and so on and so forth. It just creates a point where you won't have an established star that you need to go ahead and push your company. I was thinking, though, now hear this, over the two-night deal, maybe not this year, but maybe next year, if you do a two-night deal, you do a two-night tournament. That might gain some interest. Yeah, that would be a good idea. And here, here, this is just what clicked in my mind, too. We talk about building superstars, Mm -hmm. and we talk about superstars that we're sick of seeing. That's what you should use NXT for. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying, for an example, you take Sheamus and put him down, you know, put him down in NXT for a couple, for a month, maybe. Let him put, you know, let him build himself back up, you know, and, and book him in a way that you're not smashing him over. You know, he goes down there and he works with, I don't, I don't know, you pick, pick somebody. Uh, well, I was going to say Damian Priest, but he's leaving too. But you know what I mean? You put him down there, let him work with somebody, give him a few wins, then bring him back to, to uh, Raw, and and feature him like back in the day with the the vignettes. I miss the vignettes. You know, I just was thinking the other day, joking with a friend of mine. I love the Waylon Mercy vignettes. You remember those where he was yep. on the beach and lives yep. are going to change? That was awesome. We need some more of that. Just to give that mystery of who's coming back. That, Doing that Cape Fear type deal. Right. But but they did it. They did it with Razor Ramon. They did it with all of these great vignettes that we all remember as fans. That's another great way to build a superstar. But you, know, you also have injury. Well, you also have individuals in NXT like Ciampo and Gargano, who should have gone to the big roster a long time ago. But whether or not they're happy where they're at or the WWE is happy where they're at, there's situations now where if they finally go to the WWE, it lessens the effect. Because yeah. of the fact that they've been known commodities for so long. I think at this point in time, you're running out of options because you've mm-hmm. basically leveled the playing field. And in leveling the playing field, you don't have that one individual that stands out right now. And that's getting harder and harder for the WWE going forward to make a face for this company. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. So one of the pitfalls for us podcasters is you record an interview that you think is very timely. And then wouldn't you know, some bombshell drops the next day or just a day or two after, right after that conversation. And I had a great conversation with John on this subject. 
But before we head on out and before this drops on Wednesday as a full and complete podcast, guess what? Monday morning, the WWE Network and NBC Universal, in a joint statement, announced that the WWE Network will now become or is going to be on the way to become by February, by March, I think at very least, because that's when their pay per views will start on that network. It will now become a part of Peacock. Well, you're saying to yourself, well, I've got the WWE Network already. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Your subscription, from what I understand, is going to be folded in over into the Peacock format. And you can go ahead, we can continue the $9.99 ad-free subscription, or you can bump yourself down to the $4.99 with ads per month type subscription. And this is for America. This is for U.S. only right now. So the WWE Network in the U.S. is now going to become a part of Peacock. That means all the replays, that means original shows, that also means the pay-per-views are all going to be shown on Peacock. And John Orlando is back from the PVD cast just before we head on out. And this is going to be seamlessly intertwined in our original conversation. (laughs) So please forgive us at the beginning of our conversation or wherever we discussed it little by little if we this sounds out of place. But I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on it. It is a five-year deal worth a billion dollars now mind you this is not the ufc espn deal which was of a much more gargantuan amount and and deservedly so and of course ufc is still going to charge you 70 80 for the pay-per-views on top of it this is the full package you're getting you're getting replays you're getting original shows you're getting the archives and you're getting the pay-per-views so i want to hear your thoughts on the wwe network going and heading over to Peacock. Well, first of all, I saw a tweet from a friend of mine on Monday that said something along the lines of, I will gladly pay an extra five bucks so I don't have to sit through commercials while I watch Friends. And I'm like, that's very, he's a wrestling guy. I'm like, I don't get that. I didn't even understand it. But then within a few hours, I was like, oh. Oh. And then the office too. You got to remember that they just got the office back in January to this month. Yeah, the first thing that went through my mind was this, Gerald, because we we talked about, you know, the NHL and Premier League going to Peacock. I thought, man, Peacock has to be struggling. They got to be struggling to get subscribers. They have to be. That's why they would do this. But I looked it up, 20 plus million subscribers. Off to a decent start. Yeah, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it's not Netflix numbers, but I mean, still, that's not bad for being, what, six, seven months in yeah, they're they're the one of the newest major ones: Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, which is going to be, uh, CBS All Access, which is become going to become Paramount Plus here in a couple months. I mean, those are the the fledgling ones. Uh, you've got to consider Apple Plus, of course. HBO Max is making their deal right now. Disney Plus, and then you have Netflix with 200 million subscribers that they just announced in the past 10 days. So, yeah, I mean, they've only got 10 percent of what the the Netflix has, but Yeah, that's a great start. Obviously getting, like I said, The Office, which was the cornerstone for Netflix for many, many years. And getting that back is very much a key. Now getting the WWE plus NBC Sports Network, shutting them down and dispersing it between USA Network and Peacock. That's got to be a thing going forward. It looks like they're making clear, like many of these other big outlets very clear that streaming is the way they're going to go yes agreed you know i was puzzled by you know what's the cost going to be i have peacock but i have the free version you know when it came out i just got it because i didn't really think about you know it's free yeah it's free like i'm like i don't really need to pay for no commercials or whatever you know have to be i have to be honest uh i think that peacock in terms of my opinion has better movies than they do tv shows just from what I browsed, but nonetheless, I mean, if, if you're going to give me $4.99 for the WWE network. And, and I think they will sprinkle a little bit of WWE as a teaser to the free service. I, I'm just pretty sure that they're going to do that. That's like a they good some, episodes, they, they, some of the episodes of The Office, very few, but there is some episodes of The Office going to be on the free part mm-hmm. of it. And I have a feeling they'll do the same for WWE. Sure. But I mean, I don't mind paying the $4.99 or the $9.99. That's what I'm paying right now. So, I I mean, they answered that question for me. 
I think the only other big question I have is what does this mean for the future of WWE? You know, I know Dave Meltzer had stated possibility of NBC Universal buying into the WWE. It would I read, make sense for them. Like it he does. was saying. It does. I read I read where ESPN is absolutely done. They've cut the WWE off. They were interested. He had said that there were feelers that they even said in regards to it, but since NBC Universal has it now, you're right that they totally cut them off. Yeah. And and the thing that I that I read somewhere else too, uh that you know, that there was some consideration of Disney buying the WWE maybe a year or so ago, which I, I was shocked by and never, never thought of. So I think that, the, that that's the biggest question that I have is what does this mean for the future? And the second one, how does this impact SmackDown on Fox? Because those yeah. are that's competition. So is SmackDown coming over once that contract's up? Yeah, well, it looks like it will unless Fox makes it cut sooner. If they go ahead and cut ties sooner, it's going to be a shame though, because SmackDown is now seeing numbers as you and I talk about this as of now, as we record this, almost as high as they've been in over a year. Uh, they've had their second highest since April, last April, I think. So, I mean, their their numbers are trending a little bit up, close to two and a half million now. I mean, if, if they want to go ahead and they think they can go ahead and put it on something different or better or something that will get more viewers which is a possibility Fox may entertain the fact that, you know what, we can get better ad rates and we, we might just cut our losses. I mean, just a month ago, Fox was, you know, have very happy about where the WWE was sitting, even with its declining ratings at that time, now that the ratings have gone up, but it's still a big case now that now that NBC universal has got a very much a stake into it, it's going to be very, Awkward because you're on SmackDown, but then you're trying to go ahead and build towards PPVs, uh, pay-per-views, excuse me, that are going to be on Peacock. So that's almost like you're giving you know notice to the competition. Hey, go ahead, you watch watch SmackDown right now, but go ahead and check out Peacock here on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they're saying from what I read. March 18th, Fastlane, that's the, the the next pay-per-view, or the first pay-per-view on, excuse me, it's not the next one, because I forget what's February's pay-per-view, I can't well, remember. Well, Royal Rumble's first, I forget first. what's on, yeah, I think that might, Fastlane might have been pushed back, might might have been, okay. it might have been pushed back to, I will check for sure while you're while you're talking. Okay. But. Yeah, because I, I, that Fastlane pay-per-view is going to be the first one on March 18th, and I think that that will be a, a good barometer for how fans are going to, you know, accept this new streaming platform. So I guess, you know, and we talked a little bit about this in our previous conversation, then you got to start booking better. You got to start making this more interesting for the fans, whether it's new fans or old fans. If that's your first pay-per-view and let's be honest, Vaseline's really not a marquee pay-per-view. You know, it's just, I call them the throwaways. Yeah. They're the ones that really don't matter. If you see them. Okay. If you don't, okay, too. But I think, you, the it, well, just let you know, there is the uh, takeover is going to be on the 14th, supposedly. And then after that, Elimination Chamber is uh, next month. Uh, yeah. So if that's the case and they stick to it, those will be the last two in its continuing format now. But Fastlane, okay. like you said, is going to be the first one that's exclusively on Peacock. Mm -hmm. So can I ask you, Gerald, did you read sure. anything or do you know anything about how, how is the WWE Network done in other countries? like in Canada or South America or whatnot, do you have any idea of how it's doing in terms of ratings? The whole product as a whole has been declining a little bit in ratings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and obviously they, they have in place of, in several markets, you know, uh, Sky TV, they've had, uh, you know, a longstanding relationship with in, in the UK. They have had a longstanding relationship, South America. I mean, their expanse has been all over the globe. That's why they were very, adamant in saying us this is only going to affect the us only because peacock right now is not in fact all these streaming companies are still trying to get themselves branched out all over the world disney plus is recognized and formatted in several different versions all over the world netflix is still trying to reach all over the world all these streaming outlets are not available all around the world as of yet but then that also includes the wwe in this and yet they're still going to have they're going to have their cake and eat it too because not only do they get paid more 
because $200 million a year is more than what they're earning and generating right now in the U.S. market from the WWE network. I mean, you can pretty much do simple math and say, you know what, okay, got maybe a million, million and a half subscribers right now at $10 a pop. You do the math, so it's mm -hmm. not going to really come, come out to that much after taxes and you know all you pay out. They're getting a $200 million check right now from NBC Universal. Plus, they get to go ahead and still syndicate or you know continue the WWE network or the WWE expansion all over the globe continuously. That's why it might I'm assuming Dave Milter was was looking at this and saying, you know what? NBC Universal might be wise to just go ahead and buy out or offer McMahon anywhere from four to six billion dollars, I think is probably what is the asking price or what the asking price would be simply because of the library. Maybe not because of the current product, obviously, but the the library and the extension and, and where it expands because remember they're in, they're on live television in various in japan i think they still even have rights in there too so you know it's it, all over is the wwe and they're still profiting from it so they're getting their cake and eat it too well let's just predict the future let's say okay. in a few years all right <laughs> nbc buys the wwe do they who do they keep? Who do they put in charge? Is it an NBC person? Is it a WWE person? I would think they put an NBC person in place or a TV person in place as the head. But I would think that I, you know, and he he always seems to go rise to the top some way or still get his. He reminds me a lot of Kevin Nash in the way he's gone about things. But Triple H, I think, is the best representative right now for the company. Plus. His success off and on, mainly on with NXT, has garnered him favor around mm -hmm. the wrestling world. And he would probably be mentioned ahead of Stephanie McMahon, his own wife, as far as head of creative. So I think he would be, that would be the most likely scenario because there's no one in professional wrestling right now that's not in AEW right now that I think could be installed as a head of creative and have a good focus on how to take the company best into the future. I mean, you could go back in the past like they've done and like they're still doing now in the WWE with, with the names from the past that they've tried to install in there. And you see how that works out. And, and you see how that worked out in the first, I mean, Paul mm -hmm. Heyman, uh, they've done Jim Cornette, you know, as far as him being at various areas that hasn't really worked out as well as, as people like, Paul Heyman, that hasn't worked out. Obviously, they tried to bring Bischoff back. That didn't work out. I mean, all these names from the past are still not able to go ahead and have a grasp of the current talent today and how they can promote the future. I'm looking for a blend, and I think you are as well, as far as combining some of that storytelling, that mm -hmm. great storytelling that you had in the past, but learning how you can apply it to individuals now and going forward. Agreed. Agreed. They gotta get uh, us. Let's, let's, let's get, I know. Let's go ahead. Let's email NBC Universal. <laughs> well, and and I agree with you. I think I think Triple H is the heir apparent. I think anybody that doesn't think that you, you don't know what you're talking about. You're foolish. He is going to be the heir apparent. And Plus, he represents himself very well to the yes. media. To the, any audience. yes. And despite his past misgivings or the past things that he said and done in regards to inside the locker room and things of that nature. He is probably the best representative for the company right now. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that, yeah, obviously. And, and I like that idea of having somebody in charge of the television product, somebody in charge of the actual action, or, mm -hmm. the, you know, if you want to call him a booker. Yeah, I think that, that that's probably going to be the setup that would work best. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, I can't think of anybody right now who has the bravado, the confidence, the 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 ideas they they've got the total package kind of pun intended that triple h has right now the only thing is vince mcmahon at the 75 years old would have to step away that is the problem and that's no. the big question exactly exactly but you know maybe he's seeing the air of his ways or seeing the thing that that george lucas did when he mm -hmm. sold off to disney maybe that marvel did when they sold off to disney and all these other entities outlets that are selling off to these big streaming outlets and these big companies is that you know what maybe it's time to go ahead and and sell out i mean 
I don't know how much longer he can actually do this day-to-day operation thing as far as what he's doing and have the ultimate say because, yes, he's it, it's treading water as a whole as far as the company is concerned. I think you could pretty much say that. But advancing it into the future, he's not going to be a part of it simply because of sheer age. And passing it down to his children, I'm not sure that's the best idea itself either. Uh, I don't agree. So I, I agree. Uh, Shane is here and there. He's here for a while and he's gone and he's here for a while and he's gone. That tells me he's really not dedicated to it. And I don't know, maybe he is, but just maybe there's other factors involved, but just as a fan's perspective that shows, "Mm, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you really, really want this. I think, you know, obviously Stephanie is the, is the one of the two kids that probably wants to run the company, but you know, she's been given every opportunity to, to provide, you know, she's been in charge of creative, uh, you know, for quite a stretch at various points in time. But obviously the results matter, and that's why. Yep, agreed, agreed. So I'll tell you what, my friend, it's going to be very interesting, (laughs) but the WWE is a billion dollars richer after five years per se because their deal with Peacock. And for us fans, I think it's a benefit because $9.99 a month, you're still going to get the WWE Network and all the archives, or at least a great bit of the archives and things of that nature, all the pay-per-views. Plus, you're going to be getting all the stuff that Peacock has to offer. So I think that's a bonus if you want the ad-free version. Or even less, not only will you get the WWE Network, you'll get $4.99 a month. Or even if you have Comcast, I believe if you have Comcast, you will get the WWE Network on Peacock free. Absolutely free. So that is just an incredible deal right there. So this, I think, is a win for pro wrestling fans, first and foremost. And I think it also sets up for the future possibilities that we just didn't have about a you know just a few days ago when we talked <laughs> just, earlier. Just a few days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Come March, what happens when uh, Fastlane rolls around, and then WrestleMania will be shortly uh, following that. So we shall see how it rolls out. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Peacock has all the uh, the bugs hooked, uh, worked out of their uh, their current product, and hopefully everything will be smooth and seamless, and the fans will enjoy some great. <laughs> There's kind of you know these days with video game releases, with TV releases, things of that nature, with these streaming outlets coming online. That there's anything with a great demand, as I'm assuming when you go ahead and put bring over a million, a million and a half subscribers all at once, or to, you know, or at least you try to blend it in there. You're going to have some issues and funks and things of that nature. But I think by the end of the year, you should have a streamlined product there. Hey, I I was trying to be optimistic, Gerald. Okay. (laughs) uh, You know, I do that. You know, the show I do, and I report on it almost every week, which, which entity has issues each going forward. I mean, my gosh, I still, you still can't even get a PlayStation five or an Xbox series X at this point in time. So there's problems everywhere. As far as that's concerned, when you're dealing with something like this, I'm not expecting as a smoother transition. I, I think even WrestleMania could have some slight issues. But again, by the end of the year, Peacock is going to be looking good because you have all the stuff that NBC Universal has, all the stuff that you know they're having with the office, friends, all the all the original programming that they have, and of course, everything from NBC Sports Network and now the WWE. So I think if you're kind of on the fence now. You probably won't be by the end of this year. Yeah, probably not. I agree with you on that one. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. But, you know, there's so many things that you and I would do differently when it comes to WWE. (laughs) I mean, it's still something we watch, again, on a weekly basis, but I don't know, my friend. I mean, the state of the WWE right now is very concerning heading into 2021. And as a wrestling fan, and I am going to call a wrestling fan, and I'm sorry I didn't call a sports entertainment fan, but a pro wrestling fan. Right. I want to hear your overall thoughts as we head on out before we drop more coverage of your PVD cast on what your concerns or basically your overall state of the yeah. WWE heading into 2021. 
Well, my overall concerns, I think we we kind of all addressed them here. My, my concerns are the future of NXT on USA Network. That's what's going to happen there. I think that my concerns are the, the storytelling, the, the booking in, in all three shows. Because I think NXT has kind of gotten gone downhill too. And, yeah. and it doesn't help that they've had a rash of injuries. I will give you that. They've had a rash of injuries. But still, I think the booking is kind of along the same lines of just you know kind of thrown together. Uh, so I think the booking has to change. I, I really do. I think we're getting to a point now where things that, like I just mentioned yesterday went. I must have missed it. Sonya Deville is now like an authority figure. What? Huh? When did that happen? There's yeah. and there's no explanation. There's no explanation from the commentary team. Uh, it just it just happens. And so I think that that's my two biggest areas of concern is the storytelling and the booking has to get better. It has to. And uh, again. What's the future of NXT or you know the WWE in general on NBC Universal? Those are my two two big concerns for just the WWE itself. I have I have concerns about the whole wrestling industry as a whole, but that's neither here nor there. That's yeah. another time for another podcast. Absolutely, and I'd love to have you on for another podcast. Well, thank you, I appreciate that. Definitely want you back here as many times as you want to come back. But again, before we head on out, I got to give you the floor, my friend, because. The PVD cast is a place to go for so many great things when it concerns your awesome conversations with various members out there, podcasters, celebrities, and so much more in regards to pop culture. So before we head on out, please drop everyone knowledge on why they need to check out the PVD cast. Well, they need to check it out because as you said, I am always, always blessed to have a great guest or guests at times to sit down and chat with me about their passions and their projects in the world of pop culture. Uh, as you mentioned, this week's episode features Jeff Dale. He's a writer from Canada who's working on a book about Shemp Howard. And I'm going to be 100% honest. I didn't know that much about the Three Stooges. I didn't know that much about Shemp Howard. And I learned a ton. So if you like those old Hollywood stories and those old Hollywood actors and actresses, you should listen to the episode because you'll, you'll learn quite a bit. It's an eye-opening episode but uh, definitely check out each and every episode. It's over at pvdcast.com or through all those major outlets, you know, like Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I actually even do live broadcasts of the week's episode through the Facebook page. And that Facebook page address is at pvdcast, you know, every Monday night at 8 p.m. So unfortunately, it competes with Raw. I, I don't know if the ratings are better for the PVDcast than Raw. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that, that would be a bad out. time for the WWE because you're getting paid a lot less. I will just say that. <laughs> they're, they're, it's more expensive for them on USA if they're running that low. Yeah. But nonetheless, thank you, Gerald, for having me on. I appreciate it, man, and I would love to come back. Always good, man. You're, the door is open for you always. I, I truly appreciate you wanting to come on back. And when it comes to Three Stooges, yeah, I do have some very early memories of the Three Stooges, which I think scares me because it just tells me how old I really am when I can tell you I actually watched them on TV. But uh, when it comes to, I know uh, Curly Howard just celebrated, well, not Curly Howard himself, but Curly Howard had a, uh, his his birthday was in passing. So I know a lot, I know a lot of people were remembering his passing uh, on the 18th so i know a lot of people were talking about that because it's almost like an anniversary or remembrance of the the three stooges in and of it of it were and i know with jeff dale you're talking about shemp howard and and how important that was as far as early comedy is concerned mm -hmm. because the, the mm -hmm. three stooges were so important to pop culture at that point in time and they were so popular even before i was born so that, that's a great yeah. thing i can say because i wasn't there you know originally for it but uh, I do want to go ahead and check out not only all the great things that you're doing at the PVD cast, but every single episode upcoming. But please, if you get a chance, check out the awesome episodes that are there for the PVD cast, including the con guy, someone you and I both oh, yeah. know. Yeah, he stopped by. I mean, there's Paul Markoff, Billy Van Zandt. I mean, you've got so many great things that are there. In fact, my episode has not been taken down. I'm assuming it's because Jeff Dwoskin was on the show. But my episode <laughs> has not been taken down. So you want to go ahead and check out my thoughts on there. You can go ahead at pvdcast.com. So my friend, it's been great talking to you today. And any Same last there. thoughts before we head on out? Wrestling fans, remain positive. Remain optimistic. I think that there's so many people that get online and, and, and rag and trash on wrestling yeah, there's some problems with it, but there's some really good stuff too out there. We just got you just got to find it right now. That's how it is. That's the world we live in. 
Seek it out. It's out there. You just got to find it. Okay. Next time we talk uh, about wrestling, we got to go ahead and talk about which wrestlers we would love to go ahead and rearrange. If we were able to rearrange the WWE in a format we would like, let's say, let's, let's play guest booker. Let's go ahead okay. and play imaginary booker on our next episode. I don't okay. know what that good it. that will do. Maybe it'll just help us as far as therapeutically, but again, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. But John, it's been so great having you on Thank the you. show and continued success with the PVD cast. I'm looking forward to hearing more great episodes. And I'll tell you what, it's so thankful and I'm blessed to have you back on. I'm looking forward to more times with you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.